in the beginning, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God from the beginning. Everything was made through him, and nothing that was made that has been made was made without him. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light still shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that was coming into the world, the light that gives light to all men, was coming into the world. The world, he was in the world, the world was made through him, but the world did not recognize him. He was in the world among his own, but his own did not receive him. But to those who did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God, children not born of human descent or of the will of man or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and it dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. Glory is of the only son of the father, full of grace and truth. From his fullness, we've all received grace upon grace. For the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No man has ever seen God, but the one and only son from the father, he has made him known. Those are the opening words of the gospel of John. As John weighs in with the other gospel writers about the great generosity and compassion and love of our God. The last 10 weeks we've been looking at that under this theme of living generously and compassionately ourselves because we have a generous and compassionate God and he came and he visited us and he lived among us and he died for us in the form of Jesus Christ. And so we've looked through the book of Job and we've seen the theme of compassion and generosity and how a lot of times his people, are, God's people are not that generous and not that compassionate. And we saw in the book of James, very, very specific ways to be generous and to be uh, compassionate toward other people. And the last few weeks we've been looking at Matthew and then Mark and then Luke and now the writings of the apostle John as we continue on this theme of us living generously and compassionately, you know, becoming more and more like our God and like his son, Jesus Christ. It's really interesting because in the writings of John, the gospel of John that we know pretty well, the letters are smaller letters, uh, first John, and then two very small letters, second and third John. And then of course the, uh, the expansive letter, the Revelation, the book of Revelation, John wrote all five of those books in our Bible. And it's interesting because the word generous or generosity or the word compassion never occurs in any of those books. It's just not a word that John uses. 
There is a word that he uses, though. It's the word agape. It's the word love. And um, it'd be good if somebody could bring down the, the sort of the slide, advancer of the slide, because this thumb is not doing it. I think I need to put it on something. So if we can advance to the next slide and somebody can get that down to me, that would be, uh, that'd be terrific. Here's what, uh, here's what the Bible does say. And here's the word, as, as John uses this word agape and love, it occurs 39 times in the Gospel of John. And in this small book, five chapters, five small compact chapters in 1 John, it occurs 27 times. It's all about love. It, it's generosity and compassion under the whole banner of God's love. And the most famous verse in the entire New Testament, right here in front of us, if we'll turn over to, uh, to the book of John now, in John chapter 3, the most famous verse of all in John 3 and in verse 16, it tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave. And that's another word that we'll see frequently in John and in 1 John. God loved and so he gave. What did he give? He didn't just give us an example. He didn't just give us a Bible. He didn't just give us a way to live. He gave us himself. He gave us his son and he came down and he suffered with us. This is the amazing thing and it's so different from any other religion really anywhere in the world because God loved us so much, he chose to come down and suffer with us so he, he, could, he could relate and through Jesus to all of the things that we go through. There's been a lot of suffering and a lot of loss among our lives recently. We, we know about a lot of them. So many of you right here in the auditorium, you've lost parents, you lost grandparents, we've even lost children, you know, over the last, you know, in a tragic way, over the last you know, a few months. Um, we, there have been health challenges that have taken place. There have been tragedies, that, you know, that have occurred. There's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of loss. If there's anything we, we experience with all of the peoples of all of the world, it's suffering. We go through challenging times, and yet God didn't just send a valentine or a Christmas card or a gift or an example or a teaching. He sent his very self, he sent his son to suffer and to die for us, to show this great generosity and this great compassion. It's truly, truly amazing. The father suffered seeing his son tortured and put to death. The son suffered. The Holy Spirit continues to suffer in us as, as, as it takes our prayers to God and it, it, it's our comforter and our encourager, you know, in, you know, in our lives. It's... Um, uh, it, it's a very interesting thing what John goes on to say in, uh, you know, in, chapter, in, in his letter in, uh, in 1 John 3.16. It's interesting how we pick certain verses to be our favorite verses, right? In our culture, in our world. Did you know there's another John 3.16? It's 1 John 3.16. Actually, this is just as inspired as the first one. John 3.18 is also inspired where it tells us that this is the verdict. Light has come to the world and men have chosen darkness to light because their deeds are evil. That's just as inspired as verse 16. So I so love the world. John 3.5, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you're born again of the water and the spirit, you can't enter the kingdom of God. That's just as inspired as John 3.16. And 1 John 3.16 
is in the scripture as well. And it's so interesting what it tells us. It says, well, here's the, well, it'd help us if we had 1 John 3.16. Okay, um, we're going we're gonna to get right here. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ, he laid down his life for us. And so we should lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Is that a high call? Would that, would that include living generously and sacrificially? Jesus died for us. And it's not just so we can admire him and come to church and sing songs about him. And they're great songs. The word became flesh. And yes, all hail the power of Jesus' name. Let every kindred, every tribe sing and bow down to him. But it's not just about worshiping him. It's becoming more and more like him and us laying our lives down for each other. That's New Testament Christianity. That's the rest of the story. That's the whole, you know, uh, thing that's involved. And it's because we are a family. In, uh, in, in this beautiful beginning verse in, in chapter 3, it tells us, hey, how great is God's love for us? And here's a word that's a great word for compassion and generosity. How great is the love that the Father has? You see the word? Lavished on us giving us his very son for us, you know, caring about us, connecting with us, having empathy for us, preparing a place for us, you know, all of the things that he provides. He lavishes this love on us, and, but he also gives us a spiritual family, and that's what he says here in First John. He says, God has lavished his love on us and that we should be called children of God, not just his creation, but in his spiritual family. So we become sons and daughters of, of God, and therefore we become what with each other? Brothers and sisters. We're family. We say welcome home. That's what the, 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 the true message is. The world didn't know him, and it doesn't know us either. Not in a legitimate way about who God's people really are, because they never recognize Jesus at all either. You know, speaking about family, um, the De Leon family wanted, uh, wanted us to read a, a special uh, sharing of their heart and a special thank you to, uh, to the church here. It's being read over in our other service, you know, with our high school parents and our high school students. And I'd like to be able to read it now because it truly underscores that we are true family, brothers and sisters, and many people among us, and hopefully all of us have this heart, to be willing to lay down our lives for each other as well. Um, the... Um, uh, here's what the family says. We would like to take this opportunity to thank North River, the North River Church family, for this outpouring of love. Sounds like lavish, doesn't it? And support that you have shown our daughter, Amanda, and our family during Thursday's tragic accident. Amanda was okay, but uh, uh, the other person involved in the accident, uh, you know, died at the scene. It was a very tragic and, and a terrible time. Um, Abe and, uh, and Anna share this verse with us. In 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 5, it reads, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our, our comfort abounds through Christ. There are so many people we would like to thank. 
In particular, we would like to lift up the Reese family, the Haynes, and the campus ministry, particularly Tom and Courtney, Alani Wilson, Bree Broyles, Stacey Sadoff, and many others in the KSU campus ministry. The campus ministry is a shining light in a village of refuge. They were there during the accident scene to comfort and pray with Amanda. Campus sisters have been spending time with her during singing devotionals, calling and sending encouraging notes. Please continue to pray for our family and for the family of the motorcyclist. We love you all and are forever grateful, the Deleon family. And we say to the Deleon family, we love you and our hearts are with you. And it is pretty, uh, pretty important and, and a wonderful thing to be family. To be real brothers and sisters and to see the scripture lived out in our very presence. We go through great times as human beings. We have a lot of wonderful family things we experience. People being born, children being baptized, promotions being made, homes, you know, that we're able to secure, vacations we get to go on, special times, you know, with family, special friends, special, you know, events that we'll remember. But we also suffer together. All of us will go through this. Every one of us will go through very, very difficult times in our family and to have a spiritual family that God designed, that God created, that it flows right, right out of his relationship with his son and then with us. It's one of the great, amazing blessings and benefits, you know, of life. And here's, here, here's how Jesus illustrated because he, he didn't just come to teach us. He came to model it for us. And it's terrific that you could obviously see many of them very young disciples modeling this kind of love and family and sacrifice in a situation like on, on Thursday night. But we do that on a very practical everyday basis as well. In John 13, back to John's gospel, if you uh, would care to, turn there and you'll see the beginning part as, the, as it's laid out the scene. And then we see this specific teaching of Jesus for us. What was actually happening the very night the last night Jesus was here on earth before he was brutally tortured and crucified for my sins and your sins he had his last meal together with his closest friends they were there they had communion together and just as they came in the Bible tells us that Jesus put a towel around him and he got down with a basin of water and he washed the disciples dirty grody feet and the Bible says Jesus was, knew he was going to the Father and he showed them the full extent of his love. Not just by dying on a cross, but getting down and serving in just a practical way. What could be more practical than that? And that's what usually the lowest servant did. And Jesus did the very last night before he was going to suffer and be in torment in the garden. He just laid down his life in the most practical of ways. He wasn't here just to be Lord, but to be a servant. And this is what he says to us if you're looking at the Bible or if you're looking on this screen. Because he says, guys, you, do you get it? Do you see what I just did? Do you understand what's going on? You call me Savior, Master, Rabbi, and Lord. We call him Lord too, don't we? You call me Lord. And yet, he says, that's true. 
Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, what should you do? Go write a song about it and say, hey, oh, I, I had my feet washed. This is wonderful. That you should do what? Wash each other's feet. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. By this will all men know that you're my disciples. A little bit later on in chapter 13, that you love one another as what? I have loved you. Wow, this is the high call and why we need each other and we need God's spirit and we need the continual encouragement of the scriptures to be able to not just admire the example of Jesus, but to do our very best to be able to follow it. And then he goes on, he says, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant's not above his master. A messenger's not greater than the one who sent him. This is pretty strong stuff, isn't it? And as we, we noted before, where Jesus, or the, where, where John says, and this is very interesting, what John does now in his letter, he's written this amazing, expansive, you know, heart-thumping gospel that tells the story of Jesus and gives us a lot of the intimate conversations that Matthew, Mark, and Luke uh, didn't record and some of them weren't even present as he was in the very closest circle, you know, with Jesus. And he tells us, you know, hey, here's what it's all about, guys. God laid down his life for us. Jesus did. We lay down our life for each other. But now it's so interesting because there has to come a time when we are sitting in a church building like this and we are members quote unquote of a church of christ and we're here together whether we're regulars or we're just exploring and visiting here and and checking out the message of jesus at some point it's got to become practical we have to do something and that's exactly what Jesus said in John 13 with the example. It's what John laid out in a general sense in verse 16. But then in verse 17 and 18, he just gets flat out practical. Is that okay for God to get practical with us? And to be specific about what these things really mean. And he gives a great example. If anybody's got material possessions... You got some material possession, or you got some time, or you got some expertise, or you got some gifts. You can fill in the blanks on stewardship, right? Or you got some money, or whatever you got, okay? You have it, and you see a brother or sister, a brother and sister in Christ in need, but we, don't, we just walk right by. We don't have any pity. We don't have any compassion or generosity. He tells us, how, how does the love of God live in that? That's a challenging thing, right? Isn't that challenging for every one of us? Is to me. Isn't that why we need to ask, hey, God, give me strength, give me some good conviction, help me know the joy of being able to serve, give me great friends around me that also help me to have this same kind of spirit. Dear children, come on, gang. Let's not love in words or speech, but with action and truth. We see it lived out. I mean, those of us that are members of the, the spiritual family here, we see it lived out in amazing ways, particularly when we go through loss particularly when we go through challenging times, particularly when there are needs, and they're not always dramatic needs, just sometimes just a need, I'm feeling bummed, I'm feeling depressed, you know, I lost my job, I got no money, my bills are due, my, my, husband, my, my husband and I had a big argument, my kids are on, you know, on the warpath, I don't know what to do, I'm just down, I'm depressed, my football team lost it, I don't know why I can't shake that, it's been three days. I mean, practical stuff. I'm a little worried about this Black Friday coming up, okay, and that shopping. Because I got a little, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't have temptations on one part of the internet, but there's another part of the internet that's very challenging for me. And we just get real about it. 
and we get real open about it in word and we absolutely need one another and it's 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 very interesting because if you want to read through John first John and he hits this in the very first chapter where he tells us if we claim to know God if we claim to love God and don't put these things into practice you know the truth is not in us the darkness is in us and we're a liar and don't know the truth, okay? He just gets so practical and so specific. And in the book of John, six times, there's this, there's this phrase, if we claim to know God, if we claim to be a Christian, and yet, in these cases, if we continue in sin, if we don't acknowledge we have sin, if we don't love our brothers, those kinds of things, okay? Then, wow, we're kidding ourselves. We, we, we got to go back to the basics and get on, on, on you, know, you know, get this down right. It's just so important that we think in these, these terms. Belief. Yeah, it is true that God so loved the world that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's true. You got to believe in a certain way. Here's what James, we've already gone there, you know, a few weeks ago. Here's what James says about belief. Wow, you believe in God? Congratulations. You're on a par with the devil and the demons. They got that one figured out too. Yes, there is a God. You believe Jesus Christ was raised from the dead? Congratulations, all the demons, and you all believe the same. It, it, it's not just knowing what is right. It's, it's allowing Jesus to be Lord and to work in your life. And to be submissive to it, and this is where he says, do you want to be shown? Come on, gang, you foolish person, that faith without deeds or action are useless. You know, I've got to admit, I, I appreciate John getting practical. See, because he's writing to the church now. He's just writing to us. He knows what it's like. He's been a Christian for like decades now, like some of us have. Some of us are fairly new. He knows all about this, and he knows how we can get rusty. He knows how this can become just something that, you know, we're, we're not really looking at ourselves and really helping each other become more and more like God, more and more compassionate and gracious and just sort of getting stuck in our own, you know, little rut. So in the spirit of trying to be more like this, I decided maybe I should just get specific about something. Okay, did you and I come this morning with anything to give? Did we come to give this morning? Did we come to be loving and compassionate this morning? Okay, now I'm going to get specific, and so you might get uncomfortable. Okay, that's fine. I get uncomfortable too, you know, actually when I give these sermons, when I prepare them, because I got to be held accountable to them myself, okay, or, or if I'm listening to Jeff or Douglas or whomever. Okay, but let's get, let's get practical, let's get specific. First of all, let's talk about campus. Are they not a great example? Campus, you are a great example, and we won't talk about you when you're not here. We'll talk about you when you are here, okay? And you guys are growing, and you're doing so well in so many areas. I'm going to, in fact, highlight another one in just a few minutes. Your compassion, your love for the lost, your making disciples, that commitment, you know, is amazing. Let me give you an example where campus can grow in this area of giving, and that is your giving in your financial offering. Here's what, here's what our administrator told us after last Sunday night's service, okay? That in our whole campus ministry, two people gave online, and then there were 36 bills in the collection 
you know, ranging from a 20 to a 5 to a 10 to 1s. There are 183 people there. So you extrapolate a little bit and you just realize the vast majority of campus students who there were in church and, and when the weekly offering came by just had nothing, you know, to give or not prepared. You guys can do better than that and it's not an anomaly. And I know you're talking about it because, yeah, you don't have much money, but you got something and you can always give. Okay, but it does take a little bit of thought on that. Okay, um, and, and, and as it applies, our administrators have said campus, Edge, and our young families, they're the ones who are the weakest in our church on this. And there are many, many people who have not, there's not even a record of, uh, you know, of, of giving, of, of, of many people who've given in the past. And so you should take that to heart when we come to church and we're a member of the body of Christ, we come with something to give. Okay, because we all, we all got to do our part. Okay. Yeah, it's not based on what you don't have, but what you do have, that's what the Bible says. So if that shoe fits, just wear it. So many of you are wonderful examples, but if you're not, take it to heart and realize I need to practice generosity and compassion and a little thoughtfulness. Let's go on to something where campus is terrific. How about that? But maybe you're not, okay, on a practical way. Let's talk about the parking lot, okay? Wow, we are getting specific, yeah. One of our elders got a text from a good friend of his, a business associate who'd been coming to church with him on a fairly regular basis. And he texted him and he, he told one of our elders, hey, I'm sorry, I can't come to church. I came to the parking lot and there was no, I couldn't find a place to park. So, uh, you know, it was getting a little late. And I just had to go home and, you know, I think he's here today, which is really cool. Okay, maybe we did better on parking because so many people are in other services. Campus does a great job with this. They go park in this off street, Howard Street parking. It's just one block away, right over here. They go to Whitewater when we open up water, uh, open up that uh, Whitewater parking lot. And you guys are to be commended on that, okay? And, uh, and so if you gave up your parking place today to park a block away across the street and take that laborious one block walk over here, <laughs> it's not that you're not willing, you're just not thinking. Because we like to leave the parking lot for our guests, for our young families, you know, for our uh, legacy members, you know, our veteran <laughs> members, okay, whose joints may not be as lubricated as they used to be. But like, seriously, if you're single, if you're married without kids, you know, if you're a campus student, go check out the parking lot over there and walk about less than it takes you to walk from your, your car probably to work or to school. It's called being thoughtful and considerate. We got that? And pay attention to that kind of thing. That's about as practical, you know, as you can be. Well, is there anything else? Now that we mention it, there just might be. <laughs> it's called children's ministry. It's called children's ministry. Here's the conundrum that some, of, um, that, 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 that some of you discuss. I don't discuss it as much because my grandkids are in California and I'm not really particularly worried about it if they got a spot over here and somebody's teaching them, you know, this morning. So I'm, maybe I'm a little bit out of touch, but we got a lot of our people that, 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 that aren't, you know, out of touch. We continually 
have to go through this thing where we have to almost plead with people to sign up to teach. And here's the conundrum that some of you families are talking about, and Jeff Hickman talks about it all the time. So let's blame him on this one. I'll take the parking lot and the offering, but let's throw, the, let's throw this one at Jeff. He just says, I cannot understand it how if you come to church regularly here and you have a child who is in one of these classes that you don't automatically sign up sometime for the year. I just, and, and he was saying, I got to run the clock, you know, at the basketball game next or, or on Sunday, December the 4th. Why? Because I don't have a choice. I got to sign that one, okay? Or bring your refreshments. So everybody knows this. And yet, yeah, maybe we need to do a better job of just putting out the children's ministry thing that is, uh, you know, for the whole year and let you sign up, particularly if you're a parent. But edgers who aren't here for the most part, campus who are, young families, uh, young, young marrieds rather, let's do our part as well. Can we just knock this thing out? That, that's a conundrum, isn't it? Okay, I love giving my friends the benefit of the doubt. And it's the very last thing I'm going to put up here. Get, I want to give you, and I think we need to give each other the benefit of the doubt, that it may just be there certainly extenuating circumstances, or it may be that we just haven't thought it through and gotten prepared, you know, for it. But either way, that's called practically having compassion and generosity in our church. Uh, can you endure one more? Because if you've gotten by so far, I just might get you in the net on this one, okay? Since we just live our practical lives. I have, and this one, I completely have been, uh, I would just say, use the word, you know, uh, a perpetrator. You know, or a little guilty, you know, on this one, all right? But here's something, here's a conundrum to some of our guests that come. That come to our church. Their conundrum is a little bit, they're here like at 10 minutes till 10. And they're looking around and wondering, did I come to the wrong place? There are only like 30 people here. And it gets on to about 5 till 10. It'd be very interesting for you to be here at 5 minutes till 10 and be here. You'll have quite a lot of room to spread out and to fellowship with other people because not that many people are here. Uh, I've, I've decided to notice the last couple of weeks. And uh, we did a touch better today. But during the song, our first song as we were singing, approximately 30% of this auditorium was not filled with as it eventually got filled up. So about 20% of the people came in during the first song. About another 10% of the people came in during the, uh, during the second song. Um, we can do better than that. It, it's being thoughtful. It's again specific too, isn't it? It might mean having to get up 10 minutes earlier. Or leave a little earlier. Give the benefit of the doubt. We know stuff comes up. We absolutely know. Kids get sick, traffic jams, all, all you know, like. And on any of these things, seriously, I want to make two points. On any of these practical things, if you are a person who is just habitually, always, always late to work, to movies, to school, to whatever, that's another issue. <laughs> you just got to work on some overall stuff. But if, however, you're pretty good about school and work and whatever, and it's mainly church that you sort of have a more casual, or I'll just say, given benefit of the doubt, sloppy attitude toward, or practice on that, that is also another issue altogether that each one of us needs to think about and, you know, and to be able to pray about as well. 
please don't even let me address the callback song after fellowship. When some poor guy is up here trying to lead a song, and what's going on? About 40% of us are talking through the first verse, second verse, much better, about 35%. You know, third verse, we may be to 30. I mean, I'm serious. I just, I'm looking around and I'm watching, and this is where I can be guilty. And I try not to have too many conversations, you know, you know, on that. And you go, and then here's the amazing thing. After the song's over, we sit down and Jeff is giving announcements. We still got about 10% of us in conversations. Is that not a conundrum? I don't know. I think maybe John would have used another word on some of these things. But it's practical. It's real. It's being thoughtful. I would like for you to consider, what did you give this morning were you generous and compassionate I'd like you to consider what did what did you give what did you give financially to help support the church you may give online you may give on a monthly basis but I'm talking about as a general course of your life and your patterns what did you give was it thoughtful what what did, did you give uh, did you give up your parking place today did you give your parking spot so you could park in another spot so more people, you know, uh, with young kids and guests and people that are running a little late could have a place. Did, uh, did, you, did you give in the singing today? Is that fair? Did you give of yourself? We sang some great songs, some to God, you know, like deeper. Help me, Lord, to love you deeper. Were you giving in that way? Even if you don't sing well, campus students have no money, but they still need to give something. If you can't sing, if you're a frog-sounding singer, okay, at least look into it. Feel the music a little bit. Say the words softly. <laughs> There'll be somebody around you that will calm you down if you get a little bit too much, okay? But did you give? This is important. Did you give? And never forget, uh, Ken Furlong always says he thinks the health of the church, he measures it when we sing, our God, he is alive, and he sees if the veins are popping out in the brother's neck when they're singing, there is a God, you know, and he's looking around at veins. I guess that's one way to look at it, okay? But the whole point is, is you're giving of yourself. And will you, this Thanksgiving season, will you give your heart Will you give thanks? Will you give expressions of gratitude and thoughtfulness to the people around you? Kelly's, wife, Kelly's mom passed away a couple of weeks ago. You know that. We were there at the, at the funeral service, and she had written personal letters to all her children and her grandchildren, and that was very, very meaningful. They shared that. She took the time to express that. We don't want to wait too long to do that, do we? It's Thanksgiving. There is a lot to be thankful for. More than anything else, that we got a generous and compassionate God. Will you take the time to give thanks, to give gratitude? Kelly and I also got this... Uh, got this text from the Reese family. And uh, they were a part of the, uh, the gatherings on Thursday night after the tragic accident. And um, they wrote this, Ashley did. I have such huge respect for the way 
Um, Tom McGurk handled this whole situation. He showed incredible love and sensitivity to Amanda while taking the opportunity to lead the students to a mature and Christ-centered view of this and other tragic events. It was clear that the students truly love each other and the lost. I know the whole De Leon family has been so uplifted by the fasting prayers and love for these amazing disciples. And as Tom and I were talking on Friday, this was before the whole group got together, the KSU group got together, in kind of a house church setting, sharing a meal and addressing these things together as an entire, as an entire group. We were talking about you know, some of the things that would be most appropriate to be able to share and to be able to, to, to have on, on each other's hearts. And when we were talking, I just was sitting there overwhelmed with this, this whole deep feeling that I was so deeply <coughs> grateful that somebody shared their faith with Abe and Anna DeLeon 25, 30 years ago. And they could become Christians and disciples and have a spiritual family and minister to other people. I was so grateful that John and Vivian Haynes had become disciples and studied the Bible and became Christians 30 years ago and were there to give and were there to serve. I was so grateful, Tom, that your parents, you know, John, you know, and, uh, and Carol became disciples of students, you know, over 30 years ago, you know, and, and they became Christians as well. Is it, I was just so, so thankful. Somebody studied the Bible, Kevin and Noel Broyles, you know, decades ago, you know, probably, or with the Jacobis or with Jeff Hickman. I'm so thankful that that happened because then we can be there for each other and we can be there for each other's children. And Believe me, all you guys who mainly have campus, teens are over there, edges out. But particularly campus students, you know, you're going to be going through stuff 30 years from now. Okay, and way before that too. And to be able to have a spiritual family and to know you are right with God. That you have studied the Bible and you haven't done one of these John 3, 16's, well, I'll just believe certain things, but you're going to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Repent of your sins. Be baptized into Christ and begin a new life in a new year, I want to appeal to all of you that need and know you need a new relationship with God, a new heart to be generous and compassionate for other people, a new spirit to be able to make that decision before the end of the year, even to be able to celebrate Christmas this year, you know, with a new relationship with God, to be able to celebrate the new year as a new person, to be able to have that on your heart in, uh, in, in every way. I'm just going to fast forward to some takeaways that I think can be meaningful for us. Uh, John has a lot of real more practical stuff if you keep reading chapter 4. But here are just some takeaways for us today as we head into Thanksgiving. Number one, okay, God gave generously, lavishly, hey, let's give a little more. Let's give a little more with Thanksgiving. Secondly, it's not what we claim or what we believe, but what we do that matters. Let's do what servants in his kingdom do cheerfully. Thirdly, as we introduced three weeks ago, let's continue the conversations. You can't, you can't do this stuff just, you know, and I'm not going to get up next week and talk about did you sing out and where's your parking and did you give your money, you know, I'm not going to do that. Okay, but we can help each other with it. We can have conversations about how are we doing and how are we growing 
and the multitude of practical ways that we can be giving and loving and serving to one another. Have the conversations, get input, gain perspective, be humble, give each other the benefit of the doubt, but, but open up and let's have some real conversations with each other about where we're at with God and how we can be more giving and loving. And then, of course, lastly, make this, make every week a tremendous time of thanksgiving for the Word became flesh and He dwelt among us full of grace and truth. From his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. For the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, our Lord.